You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord this morning. Hey, let's continue our worship as we pray together and give thanks to the Lord once more for all of his goodness towards us. Let's pray. Lord, we bow our hearts before you now because you alone are worthy. You're worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory, all honor, Lord. And it is our joy to bow this morning in your presence and give thanks to the living God who purchased our souls with the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for the salvation that we have in you. Thank you for the hope that you have given us. Lord, we thank you that you have not abandoned us here, but you are with us every day, every moment. Lord, would you lead us now deeper into your presence? Would you cause us to put our hope in you in a deeper way now as we open your word? Lord, we invite you to be here. Be present among us this morning, Lord. Move in power in our hearts this morning, Lord. And do what only you can do of strengthening our faith and leading us in your ways. Come and do it this morning, Lord, we pray for your glory. Amen. 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 Go ahead and grab a seat this morning. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to get it out and uh, open it up to Psalm 16. Psalm 16, that's where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible, um, uh, we've got some ushers coming down the rows right now. Just go ahead and put your hand up nice and high. Love to get a copy of God's Word in your hand this morning because here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive into Psalm 16 and we're going to just walk verse by verse through this amazing psalm of hope for us this morning. And so if you don't have a copy of God's Word in your hand, you might be a little bit lost. And so grab that, get it open, and uh, we're going to get ready to go there. As we dig into this psalm this morning, and as you turn there right now, I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first question is a very simple question, but a question that is directed right at our hearts. I want you to consider for a moment this morning where your hope lies. Where's your hope this morning? When we look at our world all around us, um, it's easy to lose hope. And when we look at our lives, it's easy to place our hope in the wrong things. And it's easy to be disappointed, discouraged, and let down. What do you do when you're discouraged? Where do you turn when you're faced with the reality of your own weakness? your own failure, your own shortcomings? Where do you go when the disappointments of life pile up one on top of another? It's my my prayer and my hope this morning that you turn to the Lord with everything that you have and you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, you alone are my hope. And as we dig into Psalm 16 this morning, uh, we're gonna find a great place for us to run When those times of discouragement, those times of hardship come, because they will come in our lives, guaranteed. And in Psalm 16, this morning, as we dig into this, we're going to see, we're going to see a number of reasons that we can put our hope in the living God every single day. And so I hope you're with me in Psalm 16, and we're going to look at this Psalm verse by verse this morning. And this is one of my favorite psalms this morning because this psalm 
in the way that it's written through the guidance of the Holy Spirit slams the door on the doom of discouragement in our lives. And if we believe the words that are here in this psalm, if we put them into practice, if we trust them in our lives, we will go from hopeless to hopeful in the living God. Our message this morning is is simply called, God is my only hope. God is my only hope. Uh, Every other hope is a false hope. Every other hope will fail. But hope that is placed in the Lord will never fail. So I'm praying this morning that the Lord would lead us deeper in a deeper place of trusting him this morning and putting all of our hope in him and him alone this morning. Psalm 16 is is a psalm that was written by King David, and we're not exactly sure uh, when, exactly when in King David's life he wrote this psalm, but we do know from the psalm itself and from a few clues that are in it that he was, that he was on the run in a sense. He was, uh, his enemies were pursuing him in a way. Uh, they were coming after him. And this is ultimately a cry, a plea from his heart to the living God. And it starts out this way in verse 1. Take a look with me at verse 1. David says this in the beginning of the psalm. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Wow, what a statement. What a statement of truth. He says several things right here, but the first thing, the main thing, is that he cries out to the Lord for protection, for the Lord to preserve him when he is in a difficult season of life where his enemies are closing in around him and his life is even on the line. And then he says this, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I don't take refuge, David says, in the security of my army. I don't take refuge inside the walls of my castle or inside the city of Jerusalem, but I take refuge in the living God alone. And in verse 1, what we really have here is we have a summary statement for this entire psalm. That is the whole psalm in verse 1. If we get verse one, we get everything that is here. Verse one is a summary of everything that is being said and everything that we are going to say here this morning. And so let me ask you this question. Is this, is verse one, is this your prayer this morning? Is this the direction of your heart today? Are you crying out to the Lord in your own life saying, preserve me, O God. God, would you preserve me? because I take refuge in you. You are my rock, you are my fortress. Keep me, Lord. David makes his plea known to God right here in the beginning of this psalm. And then as the psalm goes on, he lists several specific reasons that we have to put our trust in the Lord and in the Lord alone. And this morning, what we're gonna see is as we take a a big picture view of Psalm 16, okay, we're gonna take the helicopter 10,000 feet view of Psalm 16 this morning. We're not gonna dive into every single verse in intricate detail. We're gonna take the overview of it this morning, but what we're gonna see is we're gonna see this. We're gonna see eight ways that God gives us hope every single day. I encourage you to write these down as we go through it this morning. Eight ways that God gives us hope every single day. Write them down, and don't just write them down, but when when you get home today, take a few minutes to pray over them. Pray, Lord, would you give me hope in my life in these specific 
ways. So we're going to dive in at verse 2, and what we're going to do is we're going to go verse by verse through this. Uh, There are very specific things that we want to see here, very specific ways that God gives us hope. And the first way, the first way that he gives us hope through this psalm is found right in verse 2. And the first way that God gives us hope is that he alone is our righteousness. He alone is our righteousness. Take a look at verse 2. David says this, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Really, David? No good apart from the Lord? That's exactly what he says. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good, not a bit of good, not any good apart from you. And listen, if we will put our hope and trust in the Lord this morning, we first need to recognize that anything good in us comes from the Lord and from his grace alone. That's it. Anything good that is in us in any way comes from the Lord. It comes through his grace to us. It's not um, based on our personality. It's not based on the goodness of our own human heart. Okay? It's based on the Lord's goodness. And David recognizes this. David gets this. He understood that his righteousness came from the Lord and that in and of himself, he was a flawed and sinful human being. Listen, have you come to that recognition in your own life? That's a fact that I'm faced with every single day in my own life, is that apart from the Lord, I have no good in me whatsoever. That in the deepest corners of my heart, It is dark, it is sinful, and it would lead me down a path far, far away from the Lord, apart from his grace. Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This is really what the Bible says over and over again, and it sums it up in this way. There is none righteous, no, not one. Not one of us in this room today is a perfect person. Not one of us in this room is even a good person, apart from God's grace. Jeremiah, Jeremiah declares, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. And listen, if we're going to put our hope in the Lord, we need to stop putting our hope in ourselves. We need to stop thinking that if we could only get better in certain areas, everything would be okay. That is a false hope. That is a lie. It will lead us further away from the Lord. We need to shift our hope to the Lord who is our righteousness and he alone. Listen, there are no good people in this world. No good people in this world. There's only bad people who look kind of good compared to really bad people. And so if you're here and you're like, well, I'm righteous, I'm pretty righteous, chances are you're comparing yourself to somebody who's really, really bad and may even be on their way to jail, okay? All right? There is no good people in this world. There's only bad people who look moderately good compared to an incredibly flawed standard. We are not righteous in ourselves. David gets this. Do you get this in your heart? 
you understand that in your heart? Because when you get that in your heart, your hope, all of a sudden, it shifts. It shifts from me, and it shifts from if I can just get better, and if I can just do better in these things, to God, who is my righteousness, who will lead me in his ways, who will perfect me, and ultimately secures my salvation. And listen, David got this, and he glimpsed at all of God's goodness. But listen, we should get this even more this morning. We should get this even more because we see Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, who came and gave himself for us. Listen, God, God is our righteousness. Nothing else this morning. And when we get that, when we get that, there is a ton of hope for us found in the statement of saying, Lord, Lord, you are my righteousness. You are my good, and apart from you, I have no good. But listen, here's the second way. Here's the second way that God gives us hope every single day. The first way, He is our righteousness. The second way, He encourages me through my spiritual family. He encourages us through our spiritual family, doesn't He? Isn't one of the greatest encouragements that we have in this life, doesn't it come through fellow believers? Listen, David, David got this. He really got this. He says in verse three, he says this, as for the saints in the land, they're the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That's a big statement. But listen, if we take a glance at David's life for a moment, if we think about David's life for a second, and we think about all the times that he was on the run, on the run from Saul, on the run from the Philistines, on the run from his own sons who were trying to take his life, Think of the the people that were with him who, who believed in the Lord and trusted the Lord and supported the king of Israel. Think of those people. Think of the encouragement that they must have been to David when his life was on the line. One of the people that I think of, I think of Jonathan. You know, David's best friend, Saul's own son, who when Saul was trying to kill him, Jonathan went to David and it says that he strengthened his hand in God. Now that's a friend, right? He didn't just come and hang out with David. He went and he strengthened his hand in the Lord. Listen, some of the the sweetest fellowship we're ever gonna have in this life is with fellow believers, isn't it, right? Some of the most encouraging times that we are ever gonna face in this life is gonna come through the people who are sitting in the seats right next to you. And if we're, gonna, if we're gonna move forward in God's grace, if we're gonna move forward putting our hope in the Lord, we need to recognize that he strengthens us through the spiritual family that he has put around us. We don't just show up on Sunday morning to do, to do church here and then that's it and gone for the rest of the week and hoping that's enough. Listen, he has brought us into a spiritual community to do life together, to pray for one another, to care for one another, to love one another, And that is how God's grace and his hope flow into our lives is through the grace of other people. Listen, that can be hard sometimes, can it? And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, wow, that sounds great, but that's not my experience. Um, I have been probably more hurt by Christian people than by anyone else. And I'm just not gonna do that again. And if that's your experience, listen, I'm sorry for that. That does hurt. But listen, Jesus Christ was betrayed by one of his closest friends. 
And yet that did not stop him from pouring into the group of men that were around him. And if you're going to say, no, because I was hurt once in the past, I am not going to go down that road. I'm not going to allow myself into close community where I could get hurt again. You are choosing, you are choosing to cut yourself off from the grace of God that flows through his people. And you're choosing to short circuit one of the greatest means of hope that God has for you in this life. I hope this is your testimony this morning. Verse three, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Do you delight in God's people this morning? Do you love God's people this morning? God loves his people. Jesus Christ loves his church. And if Jesus Christ loves his church, we should love his church too. God also encourages us in another way in this psalm right here in verse, verse 4. In verse 4, it says this. He encourages us by, by telling us something that we probably don't really like to hear, but need to hear. Verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. Let the first part of, of that verse just sink in for a second, okay? Just think about the first part right now. The sorrow of those who run after another God will multiply. Here's what the Lord does in his grace. Here's how the Lord grows our hope in him. He grows our hope in him by teaching us that sin leads to suffering, and the Lord needs to teach us that because we don't in our natural selves get that. Our hearts are, are wired because of our sinfulness and depravity to run and flock towards sin away from God. And listen, God has to do this correcting work in our life of turning us around and saying, listen, if you go down that road, if you take the steps towards sin, you are gonna end up with a life full of sorrow and suffering. And God in his grace turns us around day by day, step by step, bit by bit, and maybe he's turning your life that way right now. Maybe you're thinking right now, wow, yeah, my, my sin has led me to suffering. It's not working out so well. That's God's grace to you. He's turning you. He's turning you back to himself and he's leading you in the path of life. If we choose to pursue anything other than the Lord, it will always lead to sorrow. Remember this. Remember this. Every false hope increases heartache. Every false hope, everything that you put your trust in besides God will increase heartache and sorrow and suffering in your life, guaranteed. As James McDonald has often said, if you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. If you choose the road of sin and walking away from God, you willingly and deliberately also choose the consequences of suffering that come with it. That's a hard truth. But that's a truth that in God's grace, he wants us to learn so that we won't choose that road and so that we'll walk towards him. Listen, those who run after another God will multiply Sorrow. Here are three, three sorrow multipliers in our current world today. 
think when David wrote this, he had in mind um, those that were literally running after a false god and worshiping the Baals and the other idols of the day. But here's three sorrow multipliers. You pursue these three things in your life and you will multiply sorrow guaranteed. Three things right here. Materialism. Materialism. Man, we live in a culture today that, that is just sinking in materialism. And materialism says, hey, the more I have, the more I want, and the more I want, the more I'll get, and the more I get, the less satisfied I am. Take a look. Take a look at the materialistic person. Take a look at some of the wealthiest people in our society today. Guess what you'll find out? You'll find out that not only are they wealthy, but they're also the most miserable right? And why are they so miserable? They've got all this stuff. Yeah, they're miserable because they don't have time to be happy because they're too busy taking care of their stuff, right? More stuff, more sorrow, more pursuing of materialism, more suffering and sorrow that comes with it. Materialism, it's sorrow multiplier number one. Here's the second one. Pursue this, and you will get sorrow. People-pleasing. People-pleasing. People-pleasing says this, it is my aim in life, it is my goal in life to make everybody think well of me. I get joy. I get inner satisfaction from people saying really good things about me. That is where I find my worth. And I'm not saying that we aren't serving people, yes, and that you know, we shouldn't be loving people and caring for people, but if you find your worth in pleasing other people, you will multiply sorrows in your own life. Why? Because no matter what you do, it'll never be enough. And you will always be living for the ex- expectations of other human beings, and you will always be living for their applause and their approval, and that is exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. Pursue that, pursue that, and you'll find sorrow. Third thing, discontentment. Discontentment in life. If I just had blank, I would be satisfied. You fill in the blank. Pursue these things, and you'll find suffering. But listen, listen on the other side. Pursue the Lord and you will find satisfaction and hope that the Lord offers you. And we're in a culture today that is just soaked in these three things. How do we respond? What do we do? Well, we take the same statement as what David took here. David says, uh, their their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out. I'm not going to do what they do. I'm not going to go where they go. Forget it. I'm done with materialism, forget it. I'm done with people pleasing, forget it. I am done with discontentment. I'm not even gonna go there because it's gonna multiply my sorrow. We turn away from those things and we turn to the living God and we find our hope in him alone. Listen, we have the solution to the problem of pursuing false gods and false hope. We have the solution to this problem right here in verse five. Take a look down at verse five for a second. Well, what do we pursue instead of, you know, the things that the world hopes in right here? The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. 
The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And here's the fourth. Here's the fourth way that God gives us hope right here. His sovereign control leads me to contentment. God's sovereign control over my life leads me to be content in the situations that I find myself in. Do you recognize that there is nothing, nothing in this universe that is outside of the sovereign control of God Almighty? If you get that, there's a tremendous amount of hope there. And sure, Satan is here and he's doing his work and to our human eyes, sometimes it looks like he's winning, but listen, he is not winning because he is even under the sovereign control of God Almighty. And listen, if you, if you wonder about that, read the end of the book. Read Revelation and find out who wins in the end. It's not sin, it's not suffering, it's not death, it's not Satan, it is the Lord. And he brings everything to conclusion in the way that he wants to end it for his glory. And listen, not only is he going to do that one day, but he's going to do that in each of our lives. And we can trust that when we are in that hard season, and when Satan is throwing everything that he has at us, our God is working in ways that we can't even fathom to work every situation for our ultimate eternal good. And listen, that's hard, hard to wrap your mind around with some of the things that we face in life. But that's the message of the Bible, and that's the message that is clearly stated in Romans 8 when it says that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if we get that in our lives, if we understand that and we really believe that and we act upon that, there is a tremendous, tremendous amount of hope for us every single day. Why? Because when the trial comes, when everything is overwhelming in our lives, what do we do? We turn to God. We turn to the one who gives us hope, knowing that he is there for us. And listen, when we put our hope in the sovereign Lord, we find contentment. We can be content in our day-to-day -day circumstances. We can be content, hey, we don't have as much. I don't have as much as my neighbor. That's fine, because I've got the Lord for all of eternity, and that is so much better than anything this world has to offer. Listen, I think we can learn something from the psalmist here. I mentioned earlier that this psalm is most likely written when David is on the run. When he's on the run from one of his enemies, when his life is on the line. And I want you to notice exactly what he says right here in these verses. Verse 6. Verse 6 is a metaphor a metaphor uh, reminding us to be content in the Lord. And it says, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Here's the metaphor. The, the people of Israel, when they came into the promised land, the land was divided according to the will of God. And whatever portion of land was given to your tribe and given to your family, that's what you got. If you didn't like it, too bad. Learn to like it. Okay, And so what David is doing is he's using a metaphor that would be common to the people to help them understand that what God has given them is the very best thing for them in their life, even if it's not the way that they would like it. And David is on the run in this psalm, 
And David says, while on the run, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Um, really? Wake up, David. Seriously? Like, dude, your life is on the line. You could be killed tomorrow. Don't you see that? And David's like, yeah, but God's in control. He knows the plans that he has for me. He is leading me every step of the way. And listen, I believe that God will do everything that he has promised for me in this life and in the life to come. Now that's hope. That is hope. And listen, he banks on the promises of God more than he stares at the circumstances around him. We can learn from that, can't we? When the circumstances around us in our lives, when they pile up and they look devastatingly hard, what do we do? We lift our eyes. We lift our eyes to the Lord. He is our hope. He is our hope alone. This is something that I really want to grow in this year. I really want the Lord um, to grow me this year in being content with his sovereign control over my life. Even when it's hard, I don't, I don't want to be focused on my circumstances. I want to shift my eyes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and set my hope in him. I don't want to set my hope in a vacation. And the Lord has showed me the emptiness of that in past years. And I think he's reminding me of that right now in many ways. I want to put my hope in the Lord because he is my hope. And apart from him, I have no other hope. Listen, the Lord is faithful. He's faithful to guide us even through the hard things in life. He's faithful to lead us even through the most difficult things as we put our hope in him. And he gives me counsel. He gives you counsel. And he directs our steps. And notice what it says here in in verse 7. Verse 7. I love how this comes together. We see David's confidence in the Lord, and then we see one of the reasons why he has such confidence in the Lord. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Amen. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night, also my heart instructs me. Listen, we can put our hope, our entire hope in the Lord because he guides us with the wisdom of his counsel. That's the fifth reason. That's the fifth reason right there why we can hope in the Lord every single day because the Lord guides us with the wisdom, the infinite wisdom of his counsel. Love that verse. Maybe at this moment in this psalm, maybe David is reflecting on some of the specific ways that God guided him and gave him specific wisdom for specific situations. Maybe he's thinking back that that even as a young boy, when he went out to battle Goliath and Saul tried to persuade him to wear his armor into the battle, David said, no, by the wisdom of God, I'll go in the strength of the Lord. And he went in the strength of the Lord and defeated a giant. And maybe David's thinking of some of the other times when his life was in danger or when God's plan didn't seem like it was coming together and he remembers the specific wisdom of the Lord. Listen, can you think of times in your life when God has given you specific moments of clarity and wisdom that gave you the answer to a situation that seemed impossible? I can. 
I can think of many of those situations, many of those times. And listen, that gives me such hope. If he gave me the wisdom then, he'll give me the wisdom today. Notice what it says. I bless the Lord. I praise the Lord. I make much of the Lord who gives me counsel. And in the night, my heart also instructs me. He guides us with the wisdom of his counsel. He leads us moment by moment in his wisdom. And listen, if you're in a situation in life right now where you lack wisdom and you need wisdom, ask the Lord. Just ask the Lord for his wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. You need wisdom? Ask God. It's his pleasure, his joy to give his wisdom to you, his child. Here's the sixth thing, the sixth reason that we can put our hope in God each day. Number six, his constant presence is my confidence. His constant presence, his constant presence is my confidence. We see this right here in verses eight and nine. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Listen, today, many Christians, maybe not, maybe not you know, a majority here, but a majority of people that would profess to be Christians if you ask them on, on a weekly basis, how strong is your walk with the Lord? They, they would probably, if they were honest, say, and there's been studies done in this area, they would say, yeah, it's strong on Sunday. It's, it's waning on Monday. It's, it's weak on Tuesday. It's failing on Wednesday. It's really, really, really struggling by Thursday. Next to gone by Friday. Listen, I hope that's not the pattern of your life. So many professing believers in Jesus Christ are shaken. They're shaken in their faith on a, week, on a weekly basis. Satan gets a hold of them. The world gets a hold of them and just shakes them every single week. But notice what it says right here. I have set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Listen, you don't need to be shaken. You don't need to be shaken in your faith. You don't need to be shaken in your life, weekly, monthly. If you set the Lord before you, if you put the Lord ahead of you, if you set your eyes and your hope on the Lord alone, there's no need to be shaken. What does it mean to set the Lord before us? What does that look like? Well, let's start first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Before your feet hit the floor in the morning, George Mueller always used to say that the biggest challenge of his day, George Mueller, the great missionary to orphans in England, said that the biggest challenge of his day was to have his heart happy in Jesus before his feet hit the floor in the morning. That's half the battle right there. If you want to set your heart on the Lord, get your heart happy in Jesus before your day gets going, get his word open, pray over it, pray through it, say, Lord, my hope is in you today, my hope is not in myself, my hope is not in this world around me, my hope is in you, 
God, this is your day today. Would you lead this day? Would you remind me throughout the day today that you alone are God? And would you help me at every moment during this day set my mind and my affections and my hope on you and you alone? Commit yourself to the Lord every every single day, multiple times throughout the day. And listen, the Lord will keep you from being shaken. Isaiah 26.3 says it this way. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Isn't that a promise? That's a great promise for us, isn't it? I've been banking on that promise this week. I've been praying, man, I've been praying that promise like crazy this week, uh, probably more than I have in a while. And saying, Lord, would you keep me in peace? Would you get my mind on you? Would you help me this week to set you before me, Lord? Because he trusts in you. Listen, the equation here is pretty simple. We want to make it complicated, but God wants to make it simple to us. We've got to do our part. There's a decision there that's absolutely essential. You have to decide every single day, moment by moment, to set your mind, heart, and soul on the Lord and to put the Lord always before you. And if you do that, there's a benefit that comes from it. And the benefit is this. You shall not be shaken. Listen, when, when everything piles up, when life gets hard, it's not, it's not saying it's going to be easy, but you won't be shaken in those moments. You'll have a strength in the Lord. And then notice that there's a blessing. There's a blessing and there's a deep rejoicing that comes from not being shaken when the waves of life crash around us. And said this way, Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Listen, if God is the anchor of your soul, if he's the anchor in the storm, then the winds of life can blow and the waves can crash, but your anchor won't move. Your hope will not be shaken. And that's a reason to rejoice today, isn't it? Listen, so many reasons to put our confidence in the Lord but I really want you to see this one in verse 10. Verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Now we can be assured, we can be assured that the Lord will guard our souls unto salvation. Number seven. Our seventh reason to put our hope in the Lord alone. He guards our souls unto salvation. He's not going to give up on us. He's not going to let us just go part of the way and then he's going to, you know, say, forget it. He's not going to do that. No way. He's going to guard us every step of the way unto salvation. Now, verse 10. In verse 10, we see our Lord Jesus Christ very clearly. I believe that This whole psalm is in some sense prophetic of our Lord Jesus Christ, but in verse 10, it is clearly and directly pointing to Jesus Christ. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Peter, Peter, when he's speaking in the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, he says that this verse is directly related to Jesus Christ. 
He says, David, David died. David went into the tomb, and hey, his tomb is still with us to this day. And he says, David can't be speaking of himself here. He's got to be speaking of someone else. And definitely, David is speaking of, of Jesus Christ. Though he did not know him by name, he knew prophetically by the Spirit of God that there was one coming who would conquer sin and conquer death for us. And Jesus Christ is our forerunner. He's gone ahead of us. And he died for our sins. And he rose for our victory. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. He was raised to the fullness of life by the power of God the Father. And we too will be raised to the fullness of life. Look at the hope that is here for us in this verse. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Jesus Christ is our forerunner, and as he has gone ahead of us, he will return and come for us and take us to be with him, and on that day, we will have new resurrected bodies that will not be subject to corruption, that will not lay in the tomb. We will be raised to the newness of life in his presence for all of eternity. Isn't that awesome? In this verse, We see clearly the work of our Lord Jesus Christ by dying and rising, but we also see a picture of the hope that we have through him. Listen, we don't have any hope apart from Jesus Christ. Any hope apart from Jesus Christ is a false hope. It will lead to our destruction, but any hope that we put in Jesus Christ will lead us closer to his presence. When Jesus Christ returns, we'll be with him, we'll be made like him, and the sorrows, the momentary afflictions of this world will pass away in the blink of an eye. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. But listen, one more reason in this passage for us to put our hope in the Lord We find it here right in verse 11. It's probably not good to pick favorite verses in the Bible. So I'll just say this is one of my favorites. Love this verse. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The eighth reason to put our hope in the Lord and in Him alone is this. He satisfies me with the fullness of His joy forevermore. Listen, this life is full of struggles and difficulty right now. 2 Corinthians 4 says that it's light and momentary afflictions. And if you have the heavenly viewpoint, then yes, it would look that way. But from our viewpoint, it looks anything but light and momentary, doesn't it? Yeah, but, but, there is a day coming. There is a day coming when we will be in his presence fully. And when we will see him and be like him and worship him the way that we were designed and made to worship. Listen, right in this verse, we have the gospel, the entire gospel in a nutshell. 
Take a look at it for a second. You make known to me the path of life. Who makes known the path of life to us? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, he said this, he said there is a wide road. There is a wide road that leads to destruction. And there is a narrow road that leads to life, but only few find it. Jesus Christ makes known to us the path of life. He is the path of life. And if you're not on the path of life today, if you're still walking on that five-lane highway that leads to destruction, today is the day to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. You have no righteousness apart from him. You have no hope apart from him. You have no chance of ever finding satisfaction in this life or in the life to come apart from him. He is your only hope. And he makes known to us the path of life. He leads us to where he's going. Remember, he encouraged his disciples by saying, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and take you Unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord leads us on the path of life. But listen, the gospel reminds us that, that life doesn't end here. That, that when we physically die and our physical bodies go into the grave, that's not the end. That's the beginning. Because there's a day, there's a day coming when we will be raised to the newness of life in Jesus Christ and we will be brought into God's presence and we will be with him for all eternity. And I believe that this is what David has in mind when he writes this. He's looking forward to that future day when he will be with the Lord and he says, in your presence there's fullness, fullness, fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen, we can taste a bit of that pleasure this morning, can't we? The closer you are with Jesus Christ, the more hope you put in Jesus Christ and in him alone, the less you put your hope in the things of this world that will always disappoint you. The less you do that and the more you hope in him, the more of that pleasure, the more of that satisfaction you will find in this life. Yes, it will be imperfect. Yes, there will be trials. Yes, there will be storms. Yes, sin will have its effect on us in this life. But listen, we can pass through those trials and pass through those storms with the hope of our Lord. Put your hope in Jesus Christ this morning. Put your hope in him and him alone this morning. The momentary pleasures of this world are like a fog in the morning. They're there one minute, they're gone the next. If you're putting your hope in anything this world has to offer, materialism, people-pleasing, stuff, earthly pleasure, it's a vapor. It's gone in a second. The only hope, the only hope that will remain, the only hope that will endure is hope that is planted in Jesus Christ and him alone. So if you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ before, this morning is the morning to put your hope in him, to put your trust in him, to put your faith in him.
And listen, if you have put your hope in Jesus Christ today, today's a great day to have that hope renewed in him and to move into a new season with a freshness of hoping in the Lord every single day, no matter what life throws at you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our hope is found in you alone. God, I thank you that I am not my hope. Because the more I look at myself, Lord, the more hopeless things look. But the more I look at Jesus, the more hope I have. Lord, would you lead us to put our hope in your son, Jesus Christ, and only in him. Lord, would you keep us from believing the false hopes of this world and trusting anything this world has to offer, whatever it may be. And God, would you lead us in the deep truth of trusting in you and setting our hope in you every single day. And Lord, would we not be a people that are greatly shaken, but Lord, would we be a people who set the Lord before us every single day, and therefore we rejoice in gladness. Lord, let us not be the people who run after another God. Lord, let us be the people who run to the living God and rejoice and delight in the fullness of his presence and his presence alone. Lord, lead us in these things. Lord, for your glory and Lord, for our good. We pray this in your name. Amen.